I'm Sam. And we're just here to cause chaos. Do do do. <laughs> so Ellen, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Still doing sword fighting. I, we worked on hand-eye coordination. We learned I don't have any. You know, I think I already knew that. Yeah, it wasn't much of a secret. <laughs> and I finally convinced my housemates to play Uno with me. But not dose. Never dose. Dose isn't a real game. You made it up. It's a fever dream. We don't talk about it. <laughs> it's the world's second best card game, okay? That is false. Uno is the first, and Egyptian Rat Slap is the second. <laughs> Egyptian Rat Slap is not the second best, because every time I play it, I end up hurting myself. And you know whose fault that is? I mean, it's mine, but that doesn't stop the fact that I'm still in pain, Sam. You know, if you were just, like, better at it, maybe you would be in less pain. Listen, I want to slap that table hard, and the problem is that Due to physics, that means the table slaps me hard. <laughs> so I think the real villain here is Isaac Newton. Physics is always the real villain. Yes. It's like the Catholic Church of math. Oh, well, sometimes the Catholic Church tried to fight physics. True. But you know who wins that fight? Usually science. Yeah. Gravity <laughs> just kind of happens, fam. Yeah. So... Speaking of people who try and fight imaginable forces, we're going to learn about Zhang Shi. Ah, I feel like this is a nice callback to the original episode. Another amazing pirate lady. Yes, pirate ladies are our brand. Yes. I wish there were more of them. You know what? We should become the pirate ladies. Yes, let's go. Yeah. You good? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was gonna say, like, the term for, like, the the Horn of Africa, and then my mind's like, that's not a thing, and it's like, no, it is a thing. We'll become Sudanese pirates. There we go. Sudanese pirates, okay. I'm ready. Don't want to do my fluids homework, so, like, let's go. But yes, Zheng Shi, for those who haven't guessed yet, is a female pirate from the 1700s, and she's pretty freaking cool. So... First things first, we know next to nothing about her early life. Zheng Shi actually isn't even her name. It is a term that literally means Widow Zhang. So we don't know her name. We just Wait. know that at one point she was married to a dude named Zhang, and then she got became a widow. Huh. Her name is a ex-missus. First off, we're starting off with the disrespect all-time high. Yep. She was known by a few names throughout her life, all kind of boil down to the same idea of at one point she was married to a dude. There's Zhang Yao, Zhang Shi, Cheng Shi, Madam Ching. All of those are really just like perfunctory preterm, like Mrs. or Widow or something like that. And then the last name, which we're pretty sure was either Zhang or Chang. Imagine only being known. With having the name of a man. <sighs> yeah. We do know from how old she was at later points in her life that she was probably born around 1775. And the very first historical record we have of her confirmed is in 1801. At that point, she was working in a Canton brothel. 
as a prostitute. Oh. So yeah, she was captured by pirates in Guangzhou, and there was a particular pirate named Zhang Yi, who was the famous pirate admiral at the time, and he really liked her. She, he thought she was pretty chill, and he asked her to be his wife. <laughs> this is like a combination of the and Bonnie and Mary stories, <laughs> where she falls in love with the handsome pirate, and also got captured by the pirate, and just said, yeah, this is more fun. Yep, pretty much. But she also, she had some conditions to, on which she agreed to marry him, and he agreed to them. So her conditions were that she wanted to be an equal partner in the leadership of the pirate fleet. She wanted half the admiral's share of the plunder. And, like, she must have been, like, super hot and cool because he agreed to her terms. And those are, like, some pretty steep terms, especially in, like, the 1800s for a woman. Yeah, also the fact that she had no experience as a pirate. Yeah. But she married this dude and was like, you know, if we're gonna do this, we're doing it right. And they did. <laughs> Good. Never settle, ladies. No. If he isn't willing to make you co-admiral of a pirate fleet, then don't even bother. Exactly. It's not even worth it. Mm-mm. I think he goes on my list to standable husbands, honestly. I, I like him. He only lasts for six years, but I like him. You know, I, I also stand this husband. So they were together for six years, and during that time, they built what is still known to this day as the most powerful coalition of Cantonese pirate fleets, under, and it was all under their control. They had so many like separate fleets of pirate ships under the command that they color-coded the fleets. Oh my god. So their fleet was the Red Fleet, and so they all flew like red flags, and it was always in the lead whenever they went anywhere. And then they also had subsidiary fleets that included the Black, White, Blue, Yellow, and Green fleets. And all of this was under their control. Imagine having so many pirate ships that you need to keep them all different colors to keep them- to keep track of them. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, that's just an absurd number of pirates under your command. Yeah, how many pirates are we talking? Oh, I wrote that down. We'll get there, because it's okay. not in the immediate part of my notes I'm currently looking at. Okay, I will- I will wait with bated breath. Cool. But I will tell you that Zhang Yi and Zhang Shi had two kids- I feel we're calling her Zhang Shi already because like she's not a widow yet at this point in the story, but that's the name we got, so. The pirate soon to be known as Zhang Shi. <laughs> there we go. The pirate soon to be known as Zhang Shi and Zhang Yi had two kids, Zhang Ying Shi and Zhang Jing Zhong Shi. Oh, I probably did such a bad job. I'm sorry to anyone of any Asian descent. They just heard me say that. <laughs> but their first son was born in 1803 and their second one was born in 1807. So they got their whole little, like nice pirate family going. It's cute. Aww. They sail across the seven seas and, you know, murder <laughs> and pillage together. So wholesome. Yeah. The family that murders and pillages together stays together. <laughs> and, ooh, one famous thing that they did is that in April of 1804, the Zhangs blockaded the Portuguese trading port at Macau. And Portugal, like, sent a whole battle squadron to fight against the Pirate Armada and get, like, access back to their biggest port in Asia. 
and the Zhangs kicked their asses. Yes. The British Royal Navy even had to step in, but they didn't want to mess with the Zhangs and get on their bad side because that's like how powerful these pirates were. So they just sent extra ships to escort like the British trading ships into Macau and didn't even touch the Portuguese or like help them. <laughs> that's such a goal, though. Imagine becoming a personal enemy of the Portuguese government. Imagine being so impressive that like prime colonial Britain wouldn't want to touch you. It's true. Those guys stopped at nothing. Yeah. No, if you are intimidating colonial Britain, you are doing something right. <laughs> but then tragedy struck. On November 16th, 1807, Zhang Yi died in Vietnam. Oh, like so many other men. Yeah. So this was during the time of the Taesan Rebellion, which is a famous peasant rebellion that happened in Vietnam against the Confucian rule of the time. And it was led by these three Taesan brothers. And they later had like their own whole dynasty of leaders. And it's a really cool story. They tried to accomplish way too much too quickly and ultimately failed to remove the feudal system. But they like did some stuff and then they did some stuff really poorly. It's a whole nother story that's like would be fun if this wasn't a female oriented history podcast. Cool, cool. And it's definitely not the story of the guy who claimed he was Jesus's brother. No, that's a different rebellion. Yes. Okay. There's, there's so many. Yes, no, this is the story of how the Taysons uh, overthrew the Lays and then just kind of did the same thing under a new name and everyone was kind of pissed. Well, that is the unfortunate reality of many rebellion. Mm-hmm. But back to the story we're actually covering today. Oh, that one? <laughs> yeah, that one. When Zheng Yi died, the fleet was estimated at 400 to 1,200 ships and 50 to 70,000 pirates. To answer your previous question. And all of this went under the command of Zheng Shi? Yeah. Pretty much as soon as her husband died, she knew that, like, she needed to consolidate power and needed to, like, show her dominance before anyone else could, like, step up because she was a woman. And so she set herself firmly at the head of this pirate coalition. She made all of her husband's pirate fleets come to heel. She made their commanders like swear loyalty to her. She ended up controlling the fishing rights of and the trade routes connecting the coasts of Guangdong, China, and Vietnam. And she was a ruthless pirate lord, Ellen. She became the pirate king. She became the pirate queen. She was equally as ruthless with her own men as she was with her captives. And like people all kind of agreed that she had a reign of law and order and she was considered really tough, but fair. Like no one ever says that she was like evil or vindictive or vicious. They're all like, no, she like got stuff done, but she was like tough, you know, like a favorite middle school teacher. Ah. <laughs> uh but she had a very strict code of conduct and she enforced it. And I'm going to tell you all about this code of conduct. So it's great. Please do. So if you disobeyed a direct order, you got your head chopped off and your body thrown in the ocean. Oh, so that's where we're starting. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you stole from common plunder. So like, this is pretty much like the communal stuff that got given out after a pirate raid, your head got chopped off and your body that was thrown in the ocean. Are there 
I want a, a quick spoiler. Are there any punishments that do not involve head getting chopped off and body thrown in the ocean? Yes, but... Oh, okay. It's a surprise. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> if you rape anyone without, like, explicit... Well, if you have sex without explicit consent, your head gets chopped off and your body gets thrown in the ocean. Shocker. Right? We love female pirate lords. <laughs> If you loot a town or ship or harass them after they have paid the, their tribute, your head gets chopped off and your body is thrown in the ocean. If you take shore leave without permission or disappear from duty, your head gets chopped off and your body gets thrown in the ocean. Of course. If you ever want to leave the organization, your ears get chopped off. But, oh! Like, you get to live. <laughs> like I'm tendering in my resignation. All right, step on the podium and we'll get rid of those ears and you're good to go. Pretty much. And then, so she had very strict rules about what happened to, like, the plunder they got. So all goods and money that was seized as booty were presented to the fleet and registered before being redistributed. And as we heard earlier, if you did not present your booty to the fleet and register it, your head got chopped off and you got thrown in the ocean. But pretty much the way the rules went was if you were on the capturing ship, you got 20% of whatever was found and the rest went into the collective fund for the entire fleet that got split up evenly. And anyone who withheld plunder the first time was whipped and the second time was beheaded. Unless it was a really large amount the first time, then you were beheaded immediately. Yeah, I think we already discussed this, but pirates were surprisingly democratic. Especially under Zhang Xi, like she could, she ran ran a tight ship of like fairness but also oh. as a former captive herself zheng shi was very strict about the treatment of her female prisoners which you know what we stand so pretty much the rules were that pirates could take beautiful captives as wives or concubines but they ha if they did that they had to remain faithful to them and take care of them unfaithful husbands were beheaded <laughs> and thrown into the ocean also, any pirate who raped anyone was executed. And, you know, we just love this woman supporting woman energy of this, like, woman who got a spot of power and was like, you know what, I'm gonna make sure it doesn't happen to all these other women, the shit that happened to me. I'm just imagining her being like, man, I hope one of these women also decides to try to become a pirate captain. Uh... I just imagine being like a woman who got captured on one of those ships, like looking up to Zheng Shi and being like, that's ideal right there. You're like, oh, this might actually be a better deal. <laughs> Their rule was that ugly women were released unharmed and free of charge on shore, which like, I don't know how I feel about that. I think it was like, if none of the men wanted them as their bride or concubine, and then they got released unharmed and free of charge on shore, but just... The place I read these rules from specifically said ugly women, and I needed to include that. We're gonna say that's a <laughs> translation error. Um, she also had a policy of pursuing any pirates who deserted their ship, and when they were found, they had their ears cut off, hence what we said before in the earlier rules. But pretty much mm -hmm. the <laughs> earless were then par paraded in front of their entire squadron as a warning to everyone to be like, hey, don't shirk your duties. So wait, was there a way to like amicably leave the pirate? I think you amicably leave by agreeing to be ridiculed and earless for the rest of your life. All right. Or maybe you're like personal buddies with Zhang Shi and she's like, you know, I'll let you off this time. <laughs> but 
pretty much until this day, her pirate empire in the South China Sea is unrivaled in history for its reach, fearsomeness, communal spirit, and wealth, which is like so impressive. And also, we hear so much about all these pirates, like Blackbeard, and all the like the pirates, like all the famous pirates who are in the Caribbean. And like this woman had all of them beat by like twofold easily with her fleet and her people. Yeah, and they weren't having petty squabbles and disputes. They were working together yeah. to fight the government. You know what? This was a woman who had the British, the Portuguese, and the Chinese all scared of her in a time when those were like three of the biggest powers in the world. <laughs> She's so standable. She's so standable. Under her rule, the fleet grew to 1,800 ships and at least 60,000 men, which wow. I found out is about 30 times more than all of the factions of pirates in the Caribbean put together. And they're all under one flag. That's insane. Yet, yeah, well, the different colored flags of her six different fleets. <laughs> one flag of yes. which there are six colors. And she even eventually remarried to the guy who used to be her husband's first mate, a guy named Zhang Bao, she was still firmly in charge. He was her first mate. So like when she got married, she insisted that she become an equal partner. And then when she got married the second time, she was like, you can be my second in command. <laughs> yeah, it was a one time deal. <laughs> no, I found this great quote from a historian that I need to read to you. Zhang Bao obeyed Jing Shi's order and consulted her on all things before acting which was written in a government official report at, at the time about, from the officials who were trying to negotiate peace with Zhang Shi. Also, I'm realizing I'm saying these very similarly. Zhang Shi, like her original husband, Zhang Yi, is spelled with an E, and her new husband, Zhang Bao, is with an A, just in case anyone wanted the difference. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm just imagining, like, when they were writing that government, like, no, he, he definitely listens to her. They're like, hmm, I wonder if he's the real power, and that's how we can we can. You know how like, every powerful woman in history gets boiled down to, like, there was probably a man behind her, and everyone just is like, yeah, whatever. Nah, the government officials at the time in their official documents were like, oh, no, this woman's in charge. She has a husband. We don't <laughs> care about him. She is in charge. <laughs> Negotiating with him yep. will not accomplish anything. And... The two of them even had one more son, Zhang Yulin. There were rumors that the two of them had been in an affair before her husband's death, but like, there's no real evidence for that. And also, they're pirates, who cares if they were in an affair? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't kill her husband and therefore we don't care that they were having an affair. If Anne Bonny and Mary Reed and Calico Jack can have their polyamorous thruple life, then we don't care. What the Zhangs were the best. They are a level of standable that I don't think we've hit since, like, Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed. But yes. Maybe Shirley Christmas' husband. Oh yeah, Shirley Christmas' husband was a certain level of standable that we don't see every day. So, and now we're reaching the end of the Zhangxi story, but this is the best end any pirate story could ever have, because in 1806, the, King, the Qing dynasty wanted to do something about Jiangxi and her empire, and so they sent out an entire armada to fight the pirates, and Jiangxi's ships sank 63 of these government naval ships, and then the rest like ran away. Both Britain and Portugal decided, decided not to intervene directly because they were so scared of her. The British called her the terror of the South China Sea. 
What a title. And so this made the Qing government realize they aren't going to be able to fight her, like, head on. And so the Portuguese were going to give it one more shot, though, because in 18, September of 1809, Zhang Xi captured the Portuguese brig ship of Antonio Botelho Homen, um, who was the Portuguese governor of Timor, which is a province of China. And this pissed the Portuguese off enough to actually help the Qing dynasty with their pirate problem for once. So at one point, she took a small portion of her massive fleets of ships to a Tong Chong Bay, where the Portuguese sent a whole fleet of brigs to occupy the area. And what ended up happening was 93 ships from the provisional fleet of the Qing joined the Portuguese. And when Zhang Xi's pirates were unable to break the blockade due to the bad winds, they managed to then ki- capture a ship and kill the 74 men aboard. So these pi- the pirates like now have this like official ship and killed everyone on it. And so the King Armada commander got really frustrated at this point and we were like, what are we supposed to do? They're not going to just like surrender, which I think was the original plan was just like <laughs> block them in and make them surrender. <gasps> oh. That was their plan. Yep, that was their plan. So you want to hear the stupider plan they went with instead? Oh no, what did they decide? The Ching Armada converted 43 of the ships in their fleet to fire ships, which means that they set them aflame and kind of pushed them towards Zhang Xi's ships. <gasps> was that a common battle tactic? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> because the pirates were able to divert the ships and... A few of them, they would be able to put out the fires and then break up the ships to use as firewood. (laughs) And then also, while these like flaming ships were just in the sea between the two of them, the wind changed and two of the fire ships got blown back towards the Qing ships, (laughs) which then set two more of their ships on fire. (laughs) So when the wind changed and like there was a lot of chaos because of the fire ships coming at them, the pirates were then able to break the blockade and get away. In the end, the Qing fleet lost at least three ships, not including the 43 they set on fire, and 74 men. And the pirates lost no ships and at most 40 men, but we don't have a confirmed number. <laughs> I just said this was the end. Oh no, we're like, we're crescendoing into the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I think I started the end get ready for the end talk too soon okay (laughs) because at this point in her life she had humbled three world powers navies portugal and england were the two biggest colonial powers of the time and china was china like they've always been massive they were a huge empire and all three nations together couldn't stop her in that 1809 like blockade that they tried pretty much she kept evading them and pillaging and controlling like the entire coast until she decided she wanted to come to the table and talk peace. <laughs> At one point, she started collecting taxes from coastal villages in place of the government. And she just could do that. Like they couldn't do anything about it. She started collecting her own taxes. Yeah. And then she stopped the government from like double taxing them. But In the summer of 1810, she was getting a little old and a little tired, and so she finally came to the table to talk. At some point, 
the Qing emperor had offered her an amnesty deal and she had just like left it on the table till she was ready. But this guy was so desperate to get her off the ocean that she was allowed to keep all of her wealth and a small fleet of like artillery ships for in case of emergencies. Of her tens of thousands of pirates, they agreed to only prosecute the 200 to 300 worst offenders. Oh my god. And she negotiated amnesty for everyone else, pretty much. Like, everyone who wasn't, like, hadn't actively murdered a government official got amnesty. Wow. That's so many people. Like, she has enough people that legitimately could be like a small country and she got amnesty for all of them yeah a decent number of her pirates actually went on to join the Qing navy and became pirate hunters for the throne oh my god traitors yeah no so she literally ignored this amnesty offer for however long she wanted and then one day she just showed up all of a sudden at the <laughs> governor general of canton's house and was like okay we're gonna discuss terms now didn't you know I was coming? Yeah, she was like, I know I've been ignoring this deal for a couple of years, but I'm ready to talk now and you have like 10 minutes to convince me. <laughs> like she is a whole energy that I wish I had. She is a girl boss. By the age of 35, Zhang Shi had taken this deal and retired, and she even managed to get the title of Lady by Imperial Decree. <laughs> And she managed to settle down and open a very successful gambling house. In 1844, she died at the age of 69. She is one of the only pirate lords in all of history to die of old age. That's not where I thought this was going. No, imagine being like that prolific of a pirate queen and dying of old age. Like they didn't do that back then. I for sure thought at least one of the major naval powers was going to kill her. No, they were all so scared of her that they gave her a pardon, uh, let her keep all her money, and made her a lady. <laughs> Just imagining her like negotiating her and be like, And you know what else I want? Make me a lady. And so I feel like for obvious reasons, to this day she is very popular in Asian literature and television. Yeah. She has a manga about her. Fun fact. And she was also a character in one of the Pirates of Caribbean movies. What? Yeah, they played fast and loose with history there a little bit. She got nowhere near the Caribbean in her entire lifetime, but like she's also one of the most prolific pirates of all time, so I guess they wanted to include her. Yeah. Oh god. I think that was in the scene where they voted for the Pirate King. <laughs> yeah. She voted for herself, like all the other pirates. Well, you know what? She's probably the only one who I agree with. Yeah, she's <laughs> way more qualified than Natalie Portman. They made Natalie Portman the Pirate King? I haven't actually seen these movies. <laughs> oh, don't, it's not worth it. I uh, saw the first, like, one or two. But now you need to tell me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... There's the whole pirate election, and then they're like, oh, if we have a pirate election, all the pirates vote for themselves. That's how pirates work. And, of course, they, they do that, except for Jack Sparrow, who decides that maybe he can accomplish something. 
So he votes for Natalie Portman, who is trying to defeat, you know, Davy Jones and get her husband back. So she won the election with two votes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if they had given Zhang Shi the respect she deserved and given all of her pirates a vote, she would have won. Yeah, she had 60,000 pirates at least. Like, that is the minimum number that we think she had under her control. <laughs> and the weakest of her pirates could have destroyed Jack Sparrow. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Jack Sparrow couldn't have survived under her rules of, like, beheading and getting thrown in the ocean and chopping her ears off for leaving. <laughs> he wouldn't have made it a week. <laughs> so yes, that's the short story of Zheng Qi. Because this is a pirate woman with only six years worth of history, like, 300 years ago, I do not have any quotes. That's fair. Yeah, honestly, I did think there would be, like, more about her in general. But, you know what? I'm still pretty satisfied with learning all this. I mean, for some of the shortest notes I've done, they were some of the most fun. Exactly. She was a great woman who had a really cool, like, ten years and then just, like, did her own thing. (laughs) Like, imagine becoming a pirate in 1801 and by 1810 the Qing government is willing to give you full amnesty. (laughs) Like, she only did the pirate thing for like 10 years and then she just like opened a gambling hall was successful grew old (laughs) she had a little brothel of her own (laughs) smashing so who owns this gambling hall oh you know the former most powerful woman in all the world oh okay yeah her second husband also died before the pirating was even over and like (laughs) she never remarried again after that she just did her own thing she was like, I had my two husbands, I have three sons, like, I don't need to keep doing this. Mm, yeah. And once you're old enough that you should, you want to step down from piracy, is there any point in getting married again? Yeah. Also, though, she was like 35 at that point. Oh my god. <laughs> she was what? Yeah, no, she was 35 when she stepped down from pirating. <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting. What were you expecting? Like 50? Maybe. Because <laughs> piracy is a young man's game. Yeah. I mean, she had like another 30 plus years of living that like we just don't have a lot of record for because she wasn't pirating anymore. <laughs> well, Sam. Tell me something that should scare me. Oh, have you ever wondered about... So you know how your sister recently gave birth and it was a whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let's talk about how other women give birth. So, did you know that there has been a significant increase in C-sections since 2000? I actually did. What? Who told you? I found this out because my sister was pregnant and her doctor was like, you're not going to have a C-section because they do too many of them now. Yeah. That's true, but the short of it is between 2000 and, 20, uh, and 2015, the amount of C-sessions doubled from 12% to 21% of all births, which is crazy. That's a lot of C-sections. It is. It's not super clear exactly why. 
one is that like hospitalization became has become more procedural and giving birth can be a pretty non-standard operation so at some point they're just like well this has gone on too long might as well get this over with and i'm sure there's a there's a better thought process in mind but that's pretty much what it boils down to <laughs> and also they've they've had some interesting studies on when these c-sections were performed and they seem to be performed a lot of times before lunch and before like closing to, like five. Oh, i don't like that i don't like that either so they're just like, eh, it's probably time for this to be over with. Uh, and there's also, uh, if we get a little more cynical, there's a monetary incentive. Obviously, doctors are paid more for performing a C-section operation than they are for just, you know, a standard birth. So some people are like, well, that could very well be influencing their decision. Capitalism sucks. Yeah. If we want to get into the payment models of the medical industry, there are actually some uh, organizations that are moving away from that and moving to more of like a subscription-based care, where like you pay just to be treated and not by procedure. Oh, that's what my sister did with her OBGYN. She like paid a flat rate at the beginning and it like included oh. having her baby. Good. Yeah, uh, so it's been fascinating how that's been changing. Because one of the articles I've read was like, here's an idea for how we can fix this problem is we raise the, is we lower how much we pay for C-sections and raise how much we pay for vaginal births and try to meet in the middle. But this kind of just neatly sidesteps that whole problem. Yeah, and I like it better because like, when you're pregnant, sometimes you just need to like talk to a doctor for like stupid reasons, and like that call shouldn't like be a big deal. No, the process of charging for every little thing at a uh, at a hospital is insane. My mom told me that when she gave birth to me, they like charged an absurd amount for like an Advil or something like that, and she asked about it, and apparently they did that because like her insurance would cover the Advil, and then they could use that money towards like someone who didn't have insurance, and it was like a whole thing. Ugh, the whole system's broken. Yeah, the whole system's super broken. But now that these statistics have been noticed, there's a more of a uh, attempt to get keep the C-section numbers down because they kind of accumulate after a while. Usually once a woman has had a C-section, that's the only way she can give birth from then on. Yeah, that's so, what happened with my mom. She had a C-section with my big the sister and then by the time i came out they had to like schedule my birth early because she would have been like in a lot of danger if she had, had me normally so yeah it's definitely like a necessary procedure like obviously there's no uh no one is saying that c-sections are like should be just outright banned but no they're necessary yeah. but they're not necessary all the time that is the that is exactly the issue like is your kid's head too big or coming out the wrong way probably get that cut out of you but like has it just been going on too long <laughs> you got a little bit longer to go <laughs> and also the just the statistics are just baffling in some cases like 
in the same community, the numbers will differ between hospitals wildly. Like one place will have like a 5% C-section rate, number, uh, the place next door will have a 30%. Damn. And this like accounts for uh, socioeconomic differences. So it's just essentially like a hospital by hospital thing. And of course, why is this a problem at all? Well, it's because C-sections are inherently more risky and they can contribute to the higher maternal mortality rate. Anytime you get anesthesia involved, the risk like triples. Exactly. Anesthesia causes a lot more issues than you think. Mm-hmm. Now, C-sections are a lot more popular in high and middle income countries and nowhere near as popular in low-income countries, which is honestly probably for the best because in the low-income countries, the whole procedure seems to be uh, more dangerous and result in uh, much higher death rates for women. So there's that. But again, luckily, people are noticing this is a situation and in the high and middle income countries they're working to reduce the amount of c-sections in low income they are working to get the amount to the necessary uh, needed and also make the ones that they're doing safer and we're going to end that on a happier note where they're making changes and isn't that a good thing that is a good thing yeah, but, but there's still a problem. When my sister tried to tap out of birth a couple times, her doctor was like, no, you're, we're, keep going. Like, <laughs> she was in no actual danger, so her doctor was like, no C-section for you. Keep pushing. <laughs> I'm assuming your sister was on, like, the good meds? Oh, yeah, she got the good drugs. That's what I kept telling her when she was, like, really worried about birth. I was like, think about how good the drugs are going to be. <laughs> I am 23 and that's as helpful as I'm getting in the birthing process. Not like, think of the bundle of joy that will arrive. Like, no, because like that's what's actually exciting about it. When you're worried about like the physical process of giving birth, that's when you need like to remember the good drugs. The good drugs. <laughs> well, so Ellen, what did you learn today? Oh, I learned about the epic pirate queen that is Zhang Shi. She single-handedly took down three separate naval powers. She also single-handedly led a fleet so large it needed six colors to keep track of them. It was six different fleets, Ellen. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just assumed it was... Oh, She had six different fleets. They each had their all own color, under her so she command. could differentiate them. Yes. I don't understand how ships are divided me neither but either way she had a lot of them and they all came and they all listened to her mm -hmm. and she died of old age which is more than we can say for most pirates do you think shing shi was a girl boss oh absolutely <laughs> just as up there with the grand canyon <laughs> oh yes the grand canyon the ultimate girl boss we all aspire.
to be like the Grand Canyon. Did you learn anything or did I just relay facts that you already knew? This one was kind of, I already knew a lot of it, but like, I still enjoyed talking about female reproductive health because it's a passion of mine. That's true. I also enjoy talking about female reproductive health. In fact, probably too much. Sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Same. (laughs) But at least we can talk about it together. Yeah. Apparently not everyone really enjoys like the aggressive feminine energy that I put out there. That's on them. I'm here for it. Thank you. (laughs) So much so that I started a feminist history podcast with you. (laughs) True, you did. That was your own fault. That's we committed me. to a year of this. I know. Well, if you'd like to find us and continue this journey with us, <laughs> we're on Instagram at Chaos Podcast. We're on Twitter at underscore Chaos Podcast. You can send us an email at chaospodcast21 at gmail.com. Or you can give us a five-star app podcast review, which we would really, really appreciate. Also, if you send us a five if you give us a five-star Apple Podcast review, and then send us a screenshot of it. We'll send you a sticker when we have them, which will be soon, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed the chaos. And safe travels. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.